gonna shine. Hey, come on now. Somebody at home needs a little bit more reassurance this morning. They need to know that it's not gonna be dark in our community always. They need to know that the sun will continue, sun continue to shine. shine. God is still in control of everything that's going on around here. He may permit these circumstances, but they're the not in charge of our lives. Come on now, remember, the sun is going to shine. The sun is going to shine. Yeah, it's going to shine. The sun is going to shine. Expect it. It's coming. The sun is going to shine. Don't have any doubts in your mind. The sun is going to shine. The sun is going to shine. The sun is gonna 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 shine. If I hold it, come on, don't give up. Praise your name today, Lord. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for how good you are, Lord. We thank you for being with us even in these perilous times, Lord. We expect that we're never alone as long as we belong to you. Earthly parents may have limitations on being there, but you're our spiritual father, and there are no limitations on where you can go where you can be and we know that no matter what our circumstances are you're with us and so we ask you now lord be in this place strengthen us we already felt your presence in this place and now i'm asking you to let your word go forth and bless your people this morning we need to hear from heaven we need to know lord that everything is going to be all right we know you're still in charge and sometimes our fears get the better of us. And we want to be reminded by just a touch from your spirit, just a reminder from your word, just the notion that you're still with us is enough for us to keep on walking. Father, we love you. Now bless this word. Help it to be edifying. Help there to be education to come from it. Help it to strengthen our walk and our witness. We submit it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. What a week. What a week, what a week. And we're still marching toward the resurrection celebration. Despite all that's going on, the work of Christ must still go on. The work of the church must still go on. I never would have imagined that our circumstances would lead us here. And yet here we stand. And we still need to keep hearing from heaven. And I realize you can't always hear from us from this sanctuary or from even this worship facility, which means you've got to do your part as a believer and be a witness in your own home. You've got to talk to your family about how good God is. You've got to encourage your friends on the phone. It's important. And let's talk about being truthful in what we do. Last week we talked about a woman who met Jesus and fell in love with him and lavishly displayed her love to him. Her name was Mary. And if you heard our message last week, we talked about her expression of love. This week, if you will, we want to go all the way to the other extreme. 
We talked about somebody who loved him so much that they were willing to be expressive and extravagant in their love. This week we want to do something different. We want to talk about somebody who didn't love Jesus. We want to talk about somebody who was just around him but not with him. This week we want to talk about somebody I believe you're familiar with. In fact, the text I'm going to read for you in a moment talks about, I believe, the most infamous man in Scripture. His name is Judas Iscariot. And according to the Gospel writer Mark, in the 14th chapter of his writ, these words were said about Judas. Then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. Verse 11 reads, they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. Watch this now. The verse ends by saying, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. For a little while, just for a little while today, I want to talk about the great pretender. The great pretender. I think that Judas is perhaps one of, if not the most notorious and vilified disciples you've ever heard of. His name appears always last in the list of disciples, except in one place in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples are listed and Luke doesn't even bother to put Judas's name down at all. That's how much they thought of, of Judas. Every time he's mentioned in the Bible, the writer reminds us that he is a traitor who betrayed Jesus to his death. Judas, if you will, was a failed disciple. Watch this now. He was exposed to the same teaching as the others. He saw the same miracles. And he was involved in the same ministries as the others. But Judas Iscariot never ever came to what we know of as a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He spent three years of the period of time that the other disciples spent with him. But during that time, the other disciples were converted while they were with the Lord. Judas only became spiritually hardened, callous, hateful. And while he was a failure as a disciple, I can tell you one thing, if he had to go down in the record books as having accomplished something, he's the most successful hypocrite of all time. In fact, that's why we can call him today the great pretender. He was a fraud. He was a common and ordinary man who simply could not understand the purpose of Jesus Christ's ministry. In fact, watch this, and this is part of his hypocrisy. 
He never stood out from the rest. He blended in. Dr. John MacArthur reminds us about Judas's life, and two truths come out from his writing. He says, it is possible, watch this now, and be careful while you're pointing that sanctified scalpel at Judas. It's possible to be near Jesus and to associate with him closely and still be hardened in sin. Watch it now. And he also said that Judas is a clear reminder that the purposes of God stand sure. And no matter what anyone does, they will never thwart God's plan. So, so what does that mean, Reverend Sparks? That means that you can go to church all your life and still not know the Lord. You can participate in every activity in the church. You can sing Jesus better than anybody else and still not know the Lord. Judas is example number one that you can be up, under, around all the time with Jesus and still not know this, not know him. How do I know that? Well, let's look at Judas's personality and see how he got to this place. First of all, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Judas. We know, we know that he's mentioned several times in the Bible. Mentioned several times in the Gospels, two times in the book of Acts, but he only speaks twice. For his prominence in history, we only have words recorded by him twice. Those aren't flattering words that were recorded. Interestingly, his name, Judas, is the Greek version of the word, the Old Testament name, Judah. Judah, if you recall, was the son of Jacob. He was the father of the largest and most dominant of all the tribes. That tells us something. First of all, when Judas was born, he was born into a godly line of people, so much so that they named him after the most prominent of Jacob's sons. And so that brings me to a point I need you to understand that Judas is living proof that having a godly heritage is not enough to save your soul. Your mama may have, your father may have, but if you don't get a relationship with the Lord yourself, then you won't see glory that they talk about all the time. His name, his surname was Iscariot. So let me break this down for you if I can. Iscariot simply means that he was a man of carry-off. A man of carry-off. Mark chapter 14, 10 and 11 is the scripture that I read to you earlier. It talks to us about this man who sought to betray Jesus Christ. His background tells us he came from a holy perspective, a holy household, somebody who believed in the heritage that he was born into. Carrioff was a, was a very humble, very humble farming town, about 23 miles from Jerusalem. And in fact, that's one of the things about his personality that you ought to peep out. You know, each time we talk about 
the word of God. I always tell you to look at the social environment. I always tell you to look at the political context. Look at the people context. Not just 3D, 4D if you can have it. Look at people as people and one of the things that you'll find about Judas that perhaps turned him about from Jesus is where he comes from. He was the only one of the disciples to not come out of the Galilee region. He was from a different part of the country than they were from. They were all from the north, I mean from the south, and he was from the north. I don't know about you, I don't know if it's changed, but I've always had this inkling that folk from the north thought they were better than folk from the south. I don't know, maybe it's just me now. Maybe I'm over overemphasizing that, but I've seen it in too many situations where my northern cousins thought everybody from the south was country and walking around here pulling, and they just seem to look down on us. Far be it from me to think that it might have been a little bit different. They didn't know him because he was from a different region, those other disciples. They didn't know his people. They didn't know where he was from. Watch this. But the other disciples knew one another. They had probably worked together and had known each other's families. That made Judas, if you will, an outsider. He probably didn't participate in the common banter that they, they participated in. He was quiet. His personality was such that no one paid attention to him except for one important thing, Anthony. Judah was respected enough in the group to be the one they let carry the money that everybody else earned. Isn't that amazing? The quiet man who never says anything was the one they allowed to carry, if you will, what John said, the bag. But John is careful to tell you in his relating the story of Judas, the quiet one with the bag, that in addition to carrying the bag, he was also a thief. And I told you before, he is the personification of the meme, one for you, two for me. He's the one who would take money out for his own personal extravagances while he was the disciple's banker. But Judas' personality tells us he was an outsider. Not only does his personality tell us that, I need you to know that there's no difference in the privileges that the other disciples had. His personality made the difference. I believe he came on board with Jesus thinking that Jesus was going to be able to overthrow the Romans and bring back a political rule. And somewhere along the line when he realized that Jesus wasn't about war, he was about peace, therein turned the worm. He started not following and believing Jesus Christ like the other disciples. But he had the same privileges. He was called by Jesus, just like the other disciples. In fact, Jesus called Judas knowing destiny who Judas was. Jesus knew. In fact, you go back and you read Psalms 41 and 9. Jesus, the, the, the psalmist records these words. He said, he wrote, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat the bread of did eat of my bread, had lifted up his heel against me. This is Jesus. This is prophecy that Jesus would be betrayed by someone close to him. 
Psalms 55, 12 through 14, the psalmist writes, For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I could have hid myself. But it was thou, a man of my equal. Watch this, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. This is another prophecy of Jesus being betrayed by somebody in his inner circle. So Judas had privileges. He was right next to Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus call him, Jesus consecrated Judas. Knowing who he was, Jesus ordained him to be able to go out and preach the good news, preach the tidings to other people, tell him about his own coming. He ordained Judas, and he commissioned him. Mark chapter 3 talks about how Jesus commissioned all the disciples to go out and heal and to, and to uh, 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 do all the wonders that Jesus Christ had done. And Judas was right there among them. And so this man's personality that we've delved into, who had the same privileges as all of the other disciples, gets to a place where he doesn't follow Jesus Christ anymore. And therein lies the rug. Because even though he had the same privileges, church, Judas had problems. The first problem he had was he was confused. Oh, he was confused, Reg. We told that he went, they didn't send for him, he went to the Jewish leaders to betray Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God says. Judas went to them to betray him. Verse 10 says that. It says he went to them, he sought them out. What was he looking for? He was looking for some kind of come up in this world. Why else would he betray Jesus Christ? And the reason he went to them is because he was covetous. Watch out now. Be careful. Don't point the finger at Judas. A whole lot of folk look at other folks' things and wish they had it. Jealousy. Oh, I see you got that. Why don't I have it? I see you work hard. I work hard too. Why can't I have the things you have? People are just jealous hearted, covetous, and they are always looking for a way to get something different or maybe even better. That's nothing wrong with wanting something better, but when you want it at the expense of other folk, that's the problem. The first time Judah speaks in Gospels, he shows us how covetous he is. He complains about the way some money had been spent in Scripture. He complains about the woman who has the container of ointment and breaks it to wash and anoint Jesus' feet. He complains that that amount of ointment could be sold for a whole year's wages. He's complaining about something that he couldn't put in his bag and take some of for himself. So he's confused, he's covetous, and then he condemns. He's condemned by Jesus Christ. Jesus knows his character. And Jesus said this about Judas, John chapter 6. Jesus looks at him and calls him a devil. Oh yeah, he looked like a saint. That's why he's the great pretender. He looked like a saint. He walked with the rest of the saints. He was taught with the rest of the saints. He learned like the rest of the saints. But inside, he was just a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was a devil and called out 
by Jesus Christ. He lacked the spiritual connection to Jesus Christ. And Jesus called him a devil. He was a preacher, but he was a devil. He was trusted by everyone, but he was a devil. And Jesus Christ called him out. But this devil had a plan, and his plan made him get up one day. I don't know what that day looked like in Jesus' land. I don't know if it was sunny like it is here today. I don't know if Judas got up one morning and had just had enough of what was going on walking with the other disciples. I don't know, but he got up and went looking for the leaders of the church so he could betray Jesus Christ. And, 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 and interestingly, he found what he was looking for. Can I tell you this? If you go looking for wrong, it won't be long before you find wrong. But be careful when you grab wrong, because wrong will grab on you real tough and might not let you go when you realize it's wrong. Be careful. Wrong might look pretty. Wrong might even look right. But wrong won't let you go when you're ready to leave it alone. Jesus Christ and the disciples were at the Passover feast. Imagine that. Jesus is getting ready for the celebration of the Passover. And while he and the disciples are getting ready to celebrate the largest holiday in Jewish history, the Passover, Judas is out betraying him talking to the Jews about getting rid of, of Jesus. Now remember, the Jewish leaders don't need much to want to get rid of Jesus. He's already committed their version of the worst sin that could ever happen. He made the church look bad because he raised Lazarus from the dead. They'd already said whenever the time came, they were going to get rid of him. And so when Judas approached them, that was simply the spark that lit the fire to Jesus' Jesus's crucifixion. And watch this. He went and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. What amounted to a day's wages, Dwayne. It wasn't even enough to buy a, a sorry slave. Our Savior was sold out for the price of a slave by a man who took counsel with him, who he loved, who he taught. $25 in today's wages would have been about the amount of money that Jesus was sold out for by Judas. Young people, watch out. Be careful. Don't step over that line already. Don't, uh, don't think that you won't do something like this because people betray Jesus every day. And some of them betray him for less than $25. Some people betray Jesus for pleasure. Some people betray Jesus for hurt feelings. Some people betray Jesus Christ for alcohol or drugs. Some people betray, betray, betray Jesus Christ for things that they can't even remember, and yet they're willing to step away from a relationship with him. No matter what you betray him for, I can tell you this, Nothing that you try to get in betraying Jesus is worth your soul. And Judas was quick to find that out. Found out that his betrayal of Jesus Christ came about in three dynamic ways. And I want to show them to you right now. And then I'm out of here. Judas and his betrayal of Jesus Christ. He blasphemed and betrayed him in three specific ways. The first way he, betray he, uh, he betrayed him was by abusing Jesus' kindness. 
Oh, he abused his kindness. How do I know this? Because the, the, the John reports in his writing that Jesus taught his men a lesson in humility. Watch this now. Jesus came in to a setting that was supposed to be a hospitality setting where somebody would sit down and wash the feet of those guests that came in. Jesus came in, flipped the script, and washed everybody's feet in there. Even Peter, T, had sense enough to say, Lord, you can't wash my feet. But the one who had just sold him out to the priest sat there and betrayed Jesus' kindness and allowed him to wash his feet as if he was his servant. He betrayed his kindness. Later in the meal, he betrayed the meaning of Jesus' specific honor of him. They were sitting at the table. And Jesus reached over and grabbed a piece of bread and dipped it in a fruit mixture that was there on the table. And he presented it to Judas. This was the ultimate sign of honor, that the leader of the meal would give one of the guests what's called a sop. Y'all know about sopping. Everybody in here has sopped something. You've taken a little bread at the end of your meal and sopped up some sauce. Yeah, you've taken some. You, that means you want to get every bit of it out of the container. You sop up your last bit of lasagna from old Charlie's with a piece of bread. You sop up a whole lot of stuff. You sop up some ketchup with that last French fry. And Jesus took a piece of bread. And instead of eating it yourself, imagine the honor of giving it to somebody you love. And that's what Jesus did. And Judas received it. Two times in one setting, he's abused Jesus, and Jesus had had enough at that point. And he looked at him and he said, what you're going to do, go and do it quickly. He knew who the great pretender was, and he sent him on his mission. It was only after Judas left the setting that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with the true disciples that were left in the room. And the last way he betrayed him was perhaps the most crucial one. The last way he portrayed him was later in the evening after Jesus had gone out to pray in the garden at Gethsemane. Judas had already arranged with those who were coming to get Jesus a signal so he could let them know which one Jesus was. And Judas came up to him. and He didn't just point Jesus out. He betrayed Jesus with the meaning of a kiss. He betrayed him with his kindness, took his kindness and didn't appreciate it. He betrayed him by not accepting the true meaning of Jesus' honor at the dinner table. And lastly, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Judas came and he just didn't just hug his neck. There was no social distancing in that day. He came and laid all on Jesus like he really loved him just so he could prove that he was worth the money that they had given him. He really identified Jesus Christ, so much so that Jesus had to call him out and say to him, thou betrayest me with a kiss. How offensive is that? Even today, kissing somebody and not meaning it is a betrayal of love. Hugging somebody when you really hate them is a betrayal of love. And Judas personified the betrayal that day. But that's okay. He's there for our example. 
We wish that Judas hadn't gone through all these things. We say, is there some way Judas could have avoided what happened to him? And the, the answer is no, because Judas, just like people since then, made his choices. And because he made his choices, watch this, he suffered his punishment. He died. The Bible describes the way in which he died. He died a horrible death after he tried to give the money back. Once he realized he had betrayed innocent blood, he tried to go back and throw the money at the people, but they couldn't receive it in the manner that he gave them because he had already done the deed. But watch this. Some good came out of Judas because the chief priests, now having blood money on their hands, had to take that money and do something beneficial. So they bought what's described as potter's field. Potter's Field is the place where people who don't have resources are buried. And all over our country and world, there are Potter's Fields purchased now so that people who don't have means, but the first Potter's Field was bought with blood money from Judas because he betrayed innocent blood. And so watch this. Take this with you if you will, because you're sitting there right now, and I know Judas's life is a hard lesson. I know you're sitting there looking, saying, it's kind of hard to go down with my coffee and toast this morning. But I got to ask you this question, church, before you leave me today. Are you a grace abuser? Have you abused the grace that Jesus Christ has been giving to you? Have you taken advantage of his teachings and his love? Have you taken advantage of the love and kindness that's given in the body of Christ? If you too are a grace abuser, then you can do what Judas never took the opportunity to do. I firmly believe that at any point, if Judas had turned and said, Lord, please forgive me, that Jesus Christ would have forgiven him, his crucifixion would have come through another method, but Judas would have been rescued. That's how good God is, but, but Judas didn't do it, but you can have you ever stopped to ask him, Lord, please forgive me? Have you ever stopped to confess the things you've done and said, Lord, please forgive me? I know somebody watching, somebody listening right now is tired of living in the wrong they've done. You know you betrayed your upbringing. You know you've done wrong by folk. Stop right now. Ask the Lord to forgive you for all you've done. Tell him you want a new relationship with him going forward. And guess what? He's just that kind of God. He'll bless you. He'll love you. He'll bring you right in and show you the true meaning of a kiss. He'll show you the true meaning of love. He'll show you the true meaning of kindness. Accept his gift. And the greatest gift you can accept from him is the gift of eternal life. Right now, if you're at the house, you're used to seeing people in church come walking down the aisle. You don't have to do any of that to accept Jesus Christ. All you need to do right now is bow your head. Accept the fact that you're a sinner. And tell him, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you only. And I admit that I am a sinner and I need you in my life right now. And I'm asking you right now to come in, Lord, and make me clean. Cleanse me with hyssop and make me whiter than snow. And ask him now to be not only your savior, which he is, but also to be your guide. And the Bible says that if you will confess, confess those sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you, you will be his child. You will be made whole. I know, I know it's scary, but it's better walking with Jesus. And if you just made that confession, then he is yours and you are his. 
And for that, somebody, somebody ought to be shouting loud enough for me to hear them all the way to 7600 Division Avenue. I know some folk in here jumping up and down because we know somebody who was once lost has now been found. Heaven is jumping up and down right now because the Bible says that heaven rejoices if one sinner is found. And I'm excited today to let you know that we love you and we adore you. I can't wait till next week when we come together. Remember, we'll come to you in our cyber celebration, our cyber celebration right here from the friendliest church to the parking lot to the pulpit. God bless you. Take care. I'll see you next time. Through Christ we are the friendliest church. Come on. Put your hands together. From the parking lot to the pulpit, pulpit. Through Christ we are the friendliest church. Hey, come on! The parking lot to the pulpit, pulpit, pulpit. Yes, we've got authority. We strive, we strive to be friendliest church everywhere we go. People wanna know. Hey, so we choose to be the friendliest church. We are, we are. The friendliest church from the bucket line to the pulpit, yeah.